Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. <laughs> hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 101. How about that? Over the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. He's Ron Upshaw live from South Lake Union. I'm Don O'Neill live from Queen Anne. And, uh... A picture perfect day. Oh man, that's a nice. picture perfect day in the Great Pacific Northwest. Uh, how about that? TikTok, Ron. Do you do, you do TikTok? <laughs> Everybody's TikToking. I'm not TikToking, and I feel like is this is this kind of a Snapchat thing where people did it for two minutes and then they abandoned the platform? Uh, I I watched someone online who who does fantastic TikTok videos. Uh, her name is Mary Dew, and Mary is the director of uh, the Special Olympics here in Washington State. And she and her two girls and her husband, who's a mailman, uh, they did a TikTok video the other day. He was, I guess, working. They had set out all these Nerf guns, and so they showed the Nerf guns, and then Dad gets home, still has his uh, mail service uniform on, uh, they pick up uh, the Nerf guns and they get after it. Uh, and it turned out to be actually a really, a really good video. So uh, TikTok, what is it? Who's doing it? And uh, why aren't we doing it? Should we be, should we be TikToking right now as we're uh, in quarantine? This is an interesting topic to me in this regard. There's a huge appetite in tech to capture uh, tweens and younger into a platforms because there's a tremendous amount of revenue that lives in that space. And it's it, the apps the they find that younger people don't want to be on any sort of platform that their grandmother would be on. So like when Facebook, you know, MySpace was out and then when Facebook came out, all the kids jumped from MySpace to Facebook. And then once their mom and grandma got on Facebook, they wanted to get off of that and they went to Instagram. And then after Instagram or maybe Twitter's in there and then to Instagram, and then you keep on going down Snapchat, all of these different ones. And so for a while there was a video platform called Vine. I don't know if you remember Vine and yeah. it was like six second videos. Right. Right. And people of our age were kind of like, six seconds? You can't do anything in six seconds. But people that were younger were like, oh, this is a great opportunity to make your point in six seconds. And the, and the people that did it well, they were really, really good. Hmm. Uh, you could edit within your phone. And then Vine got purchased, I forget by who, and it sort of just fizzled out. They shut it down. Hmm. And, uh, and then that got incorporated into like Instagram stories and they, so everybody wanted to have video. Facebook loves video streaming on their platform. My understanding of TikTok is that it started as a way for young people to lip sync their favorite song. So you would have like those, those karaoke battles that were on TV for there for a while. You would, it would, it would, the, the software itself, you could pick a song you film yourself singing that song and then you'd upload it for your friends and that uh, the younger demographic loved it. And, and that was sort of the, the birth of it. And then they rebranded, it was purchased and they rebranded the name to TikTok. And then it became a thing where people started lip syncing other things. So you might take, uh, there's a, a video that's going around that's popular. I don't know of a woman that's, that's a woman actor. She's lip syncing uh, Donald Trump talking about injecting disinfectant into your lungs. 
Yeah. And she perfect lip sync. Mm-hmm. And and so she cuts it up and it, it's quite funny. Then I believe TikTok to keep their market growing expanded it to let you do other sort of videos like the one that you mentioned. It, it's wildly popular with younger people. Uh, and the, the trick is, will they be able to monetize it and, and keep it viable? Because things like Snapchat and Vine, and I don't know, I haven't looked at the numbers for TikTok, they, they reach sort of, you need a certain critical mass of users and growth in order for the, those tech sort of startups to become the next big thing and to make everybody billionaires. Investors don't want a platform that's not growing. They, they just, with a thing like Snapchat, if it's not growing and continuing to grow, then the funding usually dries up until you reach a critical mass like a, a Facebook or even a Twitter. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with it, but the people that know how to use it and do it well, it's pretty entertaining. They're short. Um, they're either lip sync dance videos or some sort of comedy stuff, but they move along. Uh, and if you know the person in it, it's even, it's even more entertaining. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm not going to do it though. Anybody got time to learn a new app for me. Nobody wants to see me on video dancing to Justin Bieber <laughs> or, or little baby. Yeah. Hey, I got yeah. some good news this morning. Uh, a strip club in Portland has figured out a way. Uh, to open back up. So how's that going to work? Let's talk about that. Also, Elon Musk has a baby. Uh, He's selling all his homes. You're not going to believe the name of the baby. Have you seen the name of the baby? No. (laughs) I I can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. And also, there's a young lady by uh, the name of Rhonda. She just goes by Rhonda in New York City. And she just went out and she rented a truck and then she bought six hundred thousand dollars worth of ppe and you're not going to believe what she's been doing with it we'll talk about it straight ahead it's the ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network ron and don ron and don ron and don ron and don ron on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much did I have to pay for this? <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Uh, Portland is known for a lot of things. Uh, and one of the things it's known for, when you talk to people, they're like, hey, they have great strip clubs here. And I think one of the reasons why they may have great strip clubs there, people may, well, here in Washington State, you can't go into, this is what I hear, uh, Ron, was <laughs> Ron was telling me before, before the show, uh, you can't walk into a strip club here and have an alcoholic beverage, uh, and you certainly can't walk in and have a steak. Uh, when Ron and I lived in Dallas, and I remember we were working on a rock station, and we had to do an appearance at a club. And those clubs there are very different. Very, very different. And you can walk in and basically get five-star service. Uh, you could sit down. It's like going to the Met. If you went to the Metropolitan and you were sitting down to have a steak, it's like that. And then there just happens to be performers uh, all around you. In Portland, there's a lot of – and I I wondered about this. I, I just – 
I was concerned for the strippers, very concerned for them. They have figured out a way. Uh, they do, they're do. they doing something in Portland called Boober Eats. That's Boober Eats. <laughs> they're very proud of their kitchen. And basically what you can do is you can pick up the phone, call them, order some Boober Eats uh, from Lucky Devil is the name of the strip club there. And then you can stop by to pick up uh, your takeout and for an extra thirty dollars, they will do a show for you. Uh, while they're, time out, time out, time out. Why they're handing off the boober, the the boober so eats from the, from the kitchen. The dancers aren't eating. I mean, aren't cooking the food. No, they're not cooking. So, so like, they're, they're, I could order food from my favorite restaurant. They're the deliverers. They, they take that Uber delivers it from the restaurant to the strip club, and then I drive to the strip club. No, no, no. So I should explain. Uh, Lucky Devil has its own kitchen. Oh, so Lucky Devil is cooking very, food. Very similar to what we saw in Dallas. Ah, uh, I see. So you go by the 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 chefs or the cooks who I don't know what your title is. So I can get I can get mozzarella sticks, yeah. uh, onion rings, right? Maybe a a really bad uh, <laughs> you know poor boy sandwich or something yeah. like that. Then for an extra thirty dollars, if you want to stay for a song, you can do that. Or uh, you can go ahead and, and just move on. Uh, some people have been known to s stay for two songs. Uh, and also they want you to know that all the dancers have masks on, they have gloves, and they are checking their temperatures. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's probably going to work. <laughs> it's probably going to work. I think, I, it's mean, wor I think it's working. <laughs> you said last week that the bikini barista stands are essential in Washington State, so why they not? Are. Yeah. So anyway, Boober Eats in Portland. Uh, and, and again, if you stop by there, um, don't be afraid. They have a pole set up and everything. So they'll they, <laughs> dance around the pole for you when you, when you stop by to pick that up. So make sure you do that. All right. He's Ron. I'm Don. It's the Ron and Don show. We are on the Ron and Don radio network. And don't forget, we are licensed brokers with Windermere. When you're ready to sit down, let's do it virtually. Um, in fact, we just closed on a deal, uh, this morning, someone that we met virtually, right, Ron, we met online and we've been going through this whole process, uh, without being able to hug each other, which kills me because I'm a hugger. Probably doesn't bother Ron that much because not that much of a hugger. But not as much as you. That is that is absolutely for sure. Yeah. So anyway, reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything, whenever you need to reach us, is all up there at Ronanddon.com. Elon Musk said uh, because of the pandemic, he's selling his mansions. And This uh, is a weird story. Also so has a new baby so we're going to come back and uh, let's talk about that and then also i want to tell you about Rhonda in new york city new york who, city yeah who just spent six hundred thousand dollars on ppe and you're not going to believe what she's doing with it uh, we'll talk about that next everything's on the ron and don radio network this morning uh don't forget episode 101 how about that we'll see you in about a minute When you're ready to explore your real estate journey, reach out to the guys. Email at ron at windermere.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back. Ron and I were just ordering some Boober Eats. So we're going <laughs> to drive down to Portland today since, again, this must be an essential business. 
Is that an essential business, Uber Eats? <laughs> it's a great name. It's very funny. Yeah. Did you hear about the woman in New York City? Uh, she did something similar after 9-11 when she saw workers that were suffering. Uh, she worked hard to make sure that they got the, the proper equipment. Same here now with the pandemic. Uh, her name is Rhonda. Rhonda has gone out and purchased, she's a New Yorker, she purchased over $600,000 worth of PPE on her own. She did she like a- raise the money or is she just a wealthy person that has an extra 600K? She's not a wealthy person uh, and it's her, it, it's her own money that uh, she went in. Uh, yeah, she's, she's currently $600,000 in debt. So now she has to figure out how she's going to pay for that. Uh, she has a big box truck. And if you stop by in New York City and you happen to be a nurse, a doctor, some type of responder that needs PPE, uh, just stop by and see her. And she's just handing that out uh, on a street corner. What's kind of interesting about this is she said, believe it or not, there's a lot of nurses and, and even doctors that have come and they've stood in that line and they've been very, very appreciative uh, about all that and about getting that PPE. Uh, Ron, we're not hearing as much about PPE anymore. There was a real concern as we were all told that we're going to have to start wearing masks outside. The majority of people are not doing that. Uh, we talked about this yesterday morning on episode 100. And I've been really trying to figure out, I was in Ken's market yesterday and it's a real small, tight market, tight space. And the majority of people that go into Ken's market, they have masks on. It's a little grocery store that I support in, in, uh, on Queen Anne here. And then they have gloves and a little sign that says, hey, show some love, wear some gloves. And I'm still amazed at the people that go in there. I saw kids in there yesterday, no masks, no gloves, no social distancing. And now we're hearing uh, they're predicting a real spike in, in COVID-19 related deaths over the weekend. And we thought we would be somewhere between 60 and 80,000 people would have passed uh, sometime in August. And they're saying now uh, we're going to blow right by that number. And when the president came out and said initially, he thought there'd be somewhere between 100,000 and 250,000 deaths. Ron, he might have been right. I've heard him say 2 million deaths. Like he's all over the map, depending on which show that he's on and which reporter asks him a question, whether he likes that reporter. So uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I I've seen gloves back on a shelves at a ACE hardware and I actually bought a box of them uh, for a while there. There was zero gloves everywhere I went. I have not seen affordable masks like the, the single use masks uh, and I've been to Home Depot, Lowe's, and to a couple of Ace Hardwares in this last week. If I did see uh, the masks, I would buy them. I saw one where you get two flimsy masks for ten ninety nine. Wow. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's a little bit price gougy to me. Uh, a two pack for ten ninety nine seems like that's not a great value, so I passed. And I uh, break the rules and, and wear my mask multiple times, even and I kind of wipe them off with a disinfectant yeah. uh, every every couple of days. Um, yeah, the the PPE thing I think is still a, a crisis because we are going to see a, a spike in these cases. I, I agree with you. I think we're going to continue to see this ratchet up. It's astonishing to me that we don't 
have a streamline of tests yet. There's 150 different tests for antibodies right now. The, the was it not not the I almost say the FCC, uh, the FDA um, just sort of opened the floodgates and was like, "Hey, this is an emergency. If you can test for the antibodies, get your test out there." There's only 10 of them or less than a dozen that have any sort of approval or oversight, people are using these and like up to 50% of the test results are false positives or false negatives. So it's, it's basically the same as flipping a coin and not even taking the test and just saying, yep, I'm positive. Yep. I'm negative. I had it. I didn't have it. Uh, and then you also, we don't have enough tests for the other side of people that are with COVID. So there's these two, train tracks that people are on of like, I think I might have had it. And if I have the antibody, do I have some sort of immunity for a phase here? Um, and they, they can't get tested. And then you have people that believe they are currently active with COVID who also can't get tested. So, I mean, this is a really frustrating situation, um, the testing and the PPE. Um, I just don't know how they – seems like you should do a full stop – ramp this up with factories that can make these sort of things and have government assistance go to that. Not that, you know, we send out checks, $1,200 checks to everybody. In my mind, if you went to a factory and they needed a couple million dollars to overhaul their factory to make PPE and tests, like that should have been where some of the stimulus money went. Yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, a couple more headlines here uh, that I was checking out this morning. Have you ever been to 11 Madison Park? in New York City back in 2017, it was rated as the best restaurant in the world. How about that? It's the companion restaurant to Canlis here locally. Those, the, Is that they, right? Yeah, they both um, are they're, they're companion restaurants, East Coast to West Coast. I have not been there. I could not afford to go there. It's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal restaurant, obviously being named best in the world. Um, yeah, they are really struggling to do to keep that, that restaurant alive. I think fine dining at that level exists in big cities like New York, but you need that kind of population to be able to, to, to get the number of people to go and, and pay that kind of money. Um, it's great food, great service, great location, but you can't really shut it down for eight weeks and expect to come back. So, um, no, I have not been there. There's a really great documentary, I believe, on Netflix about that restaurant and their aspirations to become number one in the world. And it's uh, Pellegrino does that list. Um, uh, the, you have Michelin, does the Michelin stars, and then you have this Pellegrino, which also does countries that aren't Michelin rated to do the best restaurant in the world. And so they kept rising up through the ranks and eventually got to number one. And it's a really great um, video. And then the Canlis brothers, when they won, they, um, and I'm, I might get the, the couple of details wrong, but they made a documentary. You can probably find it on YouTube. Canlis brothers have this old Volkswagen van. And when Madison Park won best in the world, they took a, a barrel of wine that was worth a lot of money, like a very, very, very uh, expensive, prestigious barrel of wine. They put the barrel of wine in the back of the V-Dub van, and then they drove from Seattle to New York. And along the way, they filmed interviews and had a glass of this wine with people that had 
assisted or helped or were tangential to uh, Madison Park uh, from coast to coast. And then they got to New York and they brought the barrel of wine into the dining room and had a big party for their friends at 11 Madison Park and then played them this video wow. of all of their friends. It's it's really, really cool. So if you're into the food world, um, those two things are definitely worth uh, looking up. Most of the time, and excuse me, I'm rambling. I don't know if this is interesting at all. Most of the time, restaurants like that are a conglomerate. Like you have the celebrity chef or the celebrity owners, and then there's a lot of people that want to to be attached to that. Mm-hmm. And so usually right. there are many, many investors, even though on the marquee, it will say, you know, a David Chang restaurant or Wolf, Wolfgang Puck or whoever it is. They're not putting all of their own money into that. They're putting their cachet as a celebrity chef or a celebrity owner. So my guess would be that if they have to file chapter 13 or bankruptcy or something on this particular property, that they will probably disband and then reconfigure it with a different ownership group. Like everybody will have to take, eat the losses for that this iteration and they will come back in a different form would be my guess. Uh, But that's a very expensive piece of real estate that they operate in and an exceedingly high overhead with uh, the square footage and the type of ingredients and kitchen and interiors and all the stuff that they, they created. Yeah. He, the chef owner there, his name is Daniel home. And chef home is saying there's a real good possibility that they may never open again. Uh, that they served uh, their last meal at 11 Madison Park, as 11 Madison Park. He still wanted to do something, though, and you saw this with the Candlest Brothers. They were on the front page of the Seattle Times probably a month, a month and a half ago, saying, hey, we're, we're, we're going to throw fine dining in a box and come by, and people did, and uh, they were lined up. Uh, I don't know if they're still lined up. I know Ethan Stoll here is trying to do something similar. I don't know if Tom Douglas is, but we see a lot of these restaurants – coffee shops, bakeries, whatever they can do, trying to make a go with uh, to-go service. He didn't want to do that. He felt he would put his workers in jeopardy. He also felt like New Yorkers probably don't want fine dining in a box. Um, and so he was out riding his bike and just trying to emotionally deal with the fact that 11 Madison Park may not come back. And he got this vision. And I love people like this. I love people like this. He got this vision that he would take his restaurant and he would just start to feed the hungry and the homeless. He picked up the phone. He had a relationship with American Express. He said, I need $250,000 to start feeding the homeless and the least of these. Um, And so that's what he's been doing. He's creating 3,000 meals a day. And he said, even if 11 Madison Park in New York, even if it comes back, he said he really loves the fact and the purpose that they feel and what they're doing now. He said it'd take millions of dollars to reopen the restaurant. Uh, But he said, whether that restaurant comes back or not, this is something that he wants to do for the rest of his life. And this came to him on a bicycle, just riding around New York City. And uh, he had this vision, Ron. I love people like this. In the midst of a storm, they can still find their rudder and uh, and they can they can move they can set that sail and set that jib and and head right into the storm. And that's what Daniel Hum has figured out here. So I'll look at you at the nautical terms and with your jib. I yeah. th- this this uh, pandemic is affecting people in interesting ways. You tease um, Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, 
Yeah, jump in uh, there and, on that and story. He, he, of course, made news this week because he um, tweeted out that he's going to get rid of all his possessions and own no homes. We'll get to that in a second. And also that he thought the, the stock price of Tesla was too high, so they immediately lost $35 billion in market cap after that tweet. So people don't know why he did that. But he, over the past couple of years, has been buying up an entire neighborhood in Bel Air, California. And he was buying, anytime an, a desirable mansion would come on the market, he scooped it up. I think he owned seven or eight mansions in this neighborhood and people were trying to figure out if he was basically trying to buy the entire neighborhood eventually and turn it into some sort of compound. But um, after he, he had some sort of awakening where he no longer wants to own anything, and maybe the pandemic, and I didn't realize he just had a, a child, so you can talk about that. But he went out and he, he self-listed two mansions online in the last couple of days, one of them for $30 million and one of them for $9.5 million that has some caveats. It's the former home of Gene Wilder. He's a huge Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory fan. And he says, if I sell this mansion, you cannot tear down the Gene Wilder house because it will uh, lose its soul. So the stipulation on the Gene Wilder mansion is you have to keep it alive. You cannot tear it down. People reached out to him to see if this was some sort of hoax because you could look up an address and, you know, someone, some prankster could look that up and, and say, oh, I'm selling this house. He really is doing this. So a $30 million Bel Air mansion. Uh, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory house. He still has, I think, five or six other houses, mansions in addition to that. But something's going on with Elon Musk. You said he also, they had a baby with his, I know he was married, then he got divorced, then he was dating a supermodel. I don't know who the woman is or what the baby is, but uh, he just they just had a baby, evidently. Yeah, and the name of the baby is, is Baby X, and, uh, and no one is sure why yet. And we wonder... You gotta wonder: uh, is is he heading toward um, maybe wearing toilet paper on his feet and locking himself in a room in a hotel and never coming out? Uh, we've seen rich people do that before. Uh, or is he just smarter uh, than the rest of us? I will say this: when 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 you are having a baby you look at your life differently, you look at your behavior differently, and you start thinking in terms of, I wonder if my son or daughter uh, would be proud for me to be their parent, right? And so maybe that has something to do with the two. Uh, when you're bringing a new life into the world, um, always want to consider that. So before we get out of here uh, today, let me check. Uh, yeah, Boober eats, it's too early for delivery. So we'll have to We'll have to check in with them a little bit later. No, one, no one's answering. So I'll save everybody a cheeseburger. How about that? And, and I'll just say this. That was a, it's going to be close to 80 degrees here coming up. Everybody's going to get outside, get down to the park, get down to the water somewhere. Do what Don was talking about earlier in this show. At least wear a mask. Be conscious of where you are. 
uh, in reference to other people. Uh, we are not out of the woods yet. I totally get, I want to get outside too. I want to go down to the water too. Like I'm uh, having that urge very strongly, especially when you look outside and it's a, it's, there's not a cloud in the sky. You open your weather app on your phone. And he says, Oh my God, 76. That's amazing. It is amazing. But just, you know, be cognizant of everyone else, especially little children, uh, people that are um, older, like just be cognizant, wear your mask. I know it's a drag, but cover up that nose and mouth uh, when you're out there around the water. Hmm. That's good. That's good. So we'll just leave it. Uh, we'll leave it there uh, for today. Episode number 101. Don't forget, we are licensed brokers with Windermere. And when you're ready to sit down, if you're buying, selling, investing, you just have questions for us, uh, reach out. Ron at windermere.com, Don O'Neill at windermere.com, everything at ronadon.com. All right. I love, I love the story of Chef Hum. I love that story. Here you are. You, you, you have one of the greatest restaurants in the world. And in some ways, you feel like it's taken from you. And it'd be real easy to just go out and be a victim. But instead, he got on the phone. And he said, I have a kitchen. I know how to cook. And there's a certain population out there right now that I need to help and I need to feed. And so that's what he's doing. He's finding, he's finding purpose in that storm. That's what I hope for you today. I hope you find purpose in all this. And sometimes, I know for me, it's just trying to be an anchor uh, for my little boy. Um, kids are going to reflect on this time, and they're going to remember you. And did you ride around New York City in a figurative manner on a bicycle and find your rudder and head into the storm? Or, or did you run from it? And Yeah. He's Ron. I'm Don. Keep your head up, your shoulders back. Find that rudder. We'll talk to you with episode 102 just on the horizon. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. To the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right.